Hi, my name's Grant Fishbook, and I am honored to be the lead teaching pastor here at Christ the King Church in Bellingham, Washington. Thank you so much for choosing to access this online content today. We really hope you'll enjoy this message. One of our values here at Christ the King is biblical face-to-face -face community. And so while we are so excited that you joined us today online, I really want to encourage you. Make sure that this is never a replacement for face-to-face -face biblical community. Your story matters, you matter, and we want to see you get connected in a local church. Now, if you're here in our area, we would love to have you join us at any one of our five campuses. But if you find yourself outside of the Bellingham area, we really want you to get connected into a local church. So we hope and pray that that happens for you very, very soon. Father God, the cry of our heart today is that we would be changed. So our simple prayer is, Father God, speak to us. We're listening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks. You can grab a seat. I want to welcome everyone to the 930 service. Those of you that are watching online as well, welcome. If I haven't met you before, my name's Grant. Every single one of us has a soundtrack to our life. As a little kid, my soundtrack started in the same way that many of yours did. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K. That's the way it was. And then because I was a good little Baptist kid, we added very quickly, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Good. In high school, I graduated to the theology of Bon Jovi's Living on a Prayer, which I thought was really cool. <laughs> Laurel and I dated to the soundtrack of Top Gun because she took my breath away. Some of you get that. We got engaged to a song 
Now I've had the time of my life, and I owe it all to you. Some of you are like, what just happened in church? And some of you are just playing out judging me. True. Okay, all right. So those were our songs. That was our soundtrack. And every one of us has a soundtrack if we're willing to, to just think back and, and listen. God used music in two profound moments of my life when he turned the soundtrack on so that he could get my attention. In high school, I had a problem. My problem was that directly across the street from where all of my friends hung out every single evening was the parking lot of my church. I used to drive down the back alleys of Brandon, Manitoba to get to the back door of the church, which I would jimmy rig in the morning so that I could come in the back door in the evening. The truth and reality was I was ashamed of Jesus in high school, and I didn't want to face my friends. One Sunday night, night, and because I was a good Baptist kid, we went to church Sunday morning and Sunday evening to prove how holy I was, and uh, I was too late to use the back alleys. So I found myself sitting in my 1978 Honda Civic, listening to a song, looking at my friends in the parking lot, trying to make a decision, and the song lyrics said exactly this, I will never forget him, but who are we to say we really love him when all we seem to do is throw his love away? Will we smile when we stand before him and laugh all the hours away or cry for the friends we left behind along the way? And I made a decision, chose Jesus, and drove into the parking lot in front of my friends for the very first time. And my life changed for a little while. In college, I came to a moment when I was at the end of myself, and God used a song to open up my heart and send me in a new direction. I was caught in my own sin and listening on a Walkman. Some of you remember what that is. I heard the lyrics of a song that said, looks like the boy's in trouble again, living much too close to the edge of sin, and now he finds himself where he should not have been, and it pounds like thunder within my breast, all the anger of my humanness, and though I call you Lord, I must confess, I'm a stranger to your holiness. And I was crushed, and I was broken, and I was so thankful that I had the soundtrack to another song in my head in that broken moment. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What's the soundtrack of your life sound like? All through Scripture, you flip open the first page of Genesis, and, and God is writing an amazing worship soundtrack throughout Scripture. Since the beginning of time, God has been looking for worshipers. Not worshipers who want to do it their way, but worshipers who want to do it God's way. It started with Cain and Abel. Abel's worship was accepted because it came from the right heart. Cain's worship was rejected because it was too casual and too convenient. I wonder how many of us, I mean, let's have an honest moment. For how many of us is our worship too casual and too convenient? As long as it works for us, it's good. We've never asked the question, does my worship work for God? The worship of Noah was a pleasing aroma to God, and it created a covenant of peace and protection. Abraham's worship was absolutely heartbreaking as God asked him to, to offer the life of his own son on an altar. And it almost seems cruel until you remember God did exactly the same thing. And instead of sparing his son like, like Isaac was spared, God the Father didn't hold back the life of Jesus for us. 
David and Solomon brought about a place of worship and the worship of God took center of stage among the people of Israel. Solomon then lost his worship. He lost his worship and an entire nation suffered because the king forgot what it meant to Yadah before God. Worship surrounded the birth of Jesus. Angels sang worship to a newborn king. And then that baby grew up and Jesus one day ends up having a conversation that he wasn't by the rules supposed to have. He's talking with a lady, a Samaritan lady of all things, sitting at a well. And he describes in that discourse the fact that God is still looking for people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. People who will not care what anybody else thinks, but simply want to worship God because of who he is. I know this to be true. God's still looking for worshipers. He's looking for worshipers in Whatcom County. He's looking for worshipers in Bellingham. He's looking for worshipers in your home, in your living room, in your kitchen. He's looking for worshipers in his church. Last week, we started a journey together. We started a journey with the first of seven Hebrew words for praise. They're often interpreted as praise or thanks or worship. We learned the word yada, which means to throw your hands in the air of celebration and dependence and joy. And a lot of you took this very, very seriously because we practiced together as a group for what's going to happen in heaven. And then some of you actually took it so seriously, you took your worship to the mountains and the parks and your backyards, and you sent me pictures of you experiencing a moment with God. There was a word that kept showing up in all of the social media posts. The word was liberating. Grant, I, I, I've been following the rules for my entire life. There was something liberating and freeing about just being able to say, I don't care what anyone else thinks. I will do what God has out. I will yada my father. This week, we're going to add a second Hebrew word. The word is zamar. It means to make music, to celebrate in song and music, to, to touch the strings or strike the strings or parts of a musical instrument. Psalm 144, verse 9 says, I will sing a new song to you, O God, on a ten-stringed lyre, fancy name for a harp. I will make music, zamar, to you. Psalm 717 used both last week's word and this week's word. I will give thanks or praise. I will yadah the Lord because of his righteousness and I will sing the praises, zamar, of the name of the Lord most high. Now, if your very first thought is, okay, I'm out. I don't play anything. Like I can play the radio. That's as good as I can do. That's enough. That's enough. This word is not about musical skill. It's about how God can use music to open our hearts to a deeper worship and connection with him. You know, isn't it amazing? We, we, we finish up church, we get to the parking lot, and sometimes we can't even remember what the main topic was. But if I ask you, what's your favorite song, and ask you to start quoting it, you can sing along right away. Why is that? Could it be because God has placed in every single one of us a hunger for melody? that we actually want to sing God's songs. Darren Whitehead, in his book, Holy Roar, he says this. He goes, music is more powerful than we even understand. It can soften our hearts, soothe our troubled souls. It opens the door to the spiritual world. It paves the road to the spiritual world. For some of you, that may be too contemporary, so let me go old school. Johann Sebastian Bach said this. I play the notes as written, it's God who makes the music. Amen. 
The final and reason for all music is nothing more than the glorification of God and the refreshment of my spirit. So we're going to learn again today. We're going to stretch ourselves. I know this is uncomfortable for some of you. It's okay. I believe this is important. Number one, music that honors God can comfort the human soul and increase our awareness of God's presence. There's an amazing story in the Old Testament. It shows this so unbelievably painly. Let me give you some, some, some context, okay? Saul, the king of Israel, has disobeyed God, so God took his hand off of him. I'm glad I live in the New Testament where God's presence is assured, but, but in the Old Testament, disobedience meant that God would actually take a step back, not in love, but because he was willing to say, if you want to be disobedient, okay, that's up to you. God is chasing Saul's heart, and as we all know, disobedience has a cost, disobedience has a pain, sin has a pain, so the pursuit is, is painful, not because God's not loving, but because disobedience and sin always hurts. Have the rest of us learned that? It hurts. So Saul tries to take comfort in music. The Bible actually says, these were Saul's instructions. Saul said to his attendants, find someone who plays well and bring him to me. One of the servants said, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. Fancy word for a harp. He's a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and is a fine looking man. Okay, so according to the scripture, you can still be a manly man and worship and sing God. All right? And the Lord is with him, it says. And the story ends with these words. Whenever the spirit from God came on Saul, David would take up his lyre and play. Then relief would come to Saul and he would feel better. And the evil spirit would leave him. So he's being disobedient. And there's a pressure. There's a spiritual force that's discouraging him. And so he taps into music to try and help his troubled Soul, to me, this is so unbelievably important. If music can comfort you when you're disobedient and distant, imagine what music that honors God with its lyrics and its melody could accomplish if you're actually living for God, not away from Him. I mean, music that worships God is a powerful tool of comfort and can make us more aware of God's presence. I walked into a room this past week. Loved one is laying on the bed, getting ready to make that beautiful transition because of the assurance of their salvation in Jesus. Last breath here, first breath there, and the entire family is gathered together. And what's filling the room? Worship. The whole family was worshiping God around the bedside of their loved one because that person had left no doubt that their last breath here was going to be their first breath there. And as they intook that first breath in heaven, what were they going to do? Worship God. Music makes us aware that God is near and attentive and ready to touch those deep moments. I mean, uh, as the Titanic was sinking... According to some of the historical records, a small group of musicians stayed on the deck and continued to play. You know what the name of the song was? Nearer my God to thee. What do we quote when someone passes away? The Lord is my shepherd. I don't want for anything. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Psalm 23, it's a song. 
You know, you'll notice that sometimes when we're corporately worshiping, to, worshiping together, we actually stop singing and the instruments just play. For the record, can I tell you why we are not doing that? We are not doing that so you'll sit back and go, wow, Randy can really play the keys. Man, that guy's great. We never do that so you'll step back and go, wow, Andy can really play that guitar. He strikes those strings really, really, really well. Whenever you hear just music, here's what we're trying to do. We're trying to actually create space so that you can not just observe or evaluate. Ah, guitar solo, four out of 10. It's not the point. Instead of observing, to press in, to lean in, to listen for the voice of God. It's a moment when we want you to focus, not fade. It's a moment when we're trying to create space, to invite God, to fill in the space. And whenever God fills in a space, it's never a waste of time. Don't back off, press in. Secondly, music can open our hearts to God's truth. Now, many of the songs that we sing contain actual scripture. It's one of the ways we try to reinforce the Bible. Singing or playing God's truth is an amazing way of learning and internalizing God's word. I mean, there's an entire songbook in your Bible called Psalms. I've lost track of the number of times that God has used a song from scripture. Some of you can go old school with me. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Psalm 51, word for word. Music opens our heart to God's truth. There's just something about it that makes us more open to what God it is that he's trying to say. Let me share a moment from Scripture, 2 Kings chapter 3. Here's the context, just so you know, okay? Three Old Testament kings from Israel, Israel, Judah, and Edom, they're in tough because there is an invading king who's coming in, putting in pressure against them with the threat of war. This other king, the king of Edom, huge, huge empire at that time, is coming to take them out and they're freaked out. So they make a decision, they get together and say, we should probably go talk to one of the, the prophets. Let's go talk to a prophet of God and ask him, hey, what are we supposed to do? I love what happens. They show up on the doorstep of a prophet by the name of Elisha, Okay. It says it happens early in the morning in some translations. Apparently, Elisha is not much of a morning guy because he's not in a good mood when he comes out, okay? He walks out, three kings standing in front of him, and his, basically his, his first words to them, I'm not impressed. I'm not impressed. 2 Kings 3.14, Elisha said, As surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, if I didn't have respect for the presence, for the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not pay attention to any of you. Now bring me a harpist. <laughs> what? Get me some, get me somebody with a harp. I need a soundtrack. I need you to play something because I'm not in a good mood and I don't really like you people. So you've never listened to anything I've said before, but now you're going to hear the word of the Lord. So get me that electric harp player. Like tell him to plug in right here and turn up the speaker. Elisha's saying, look, I'm going to deliver the word of God to you. I'm going to tell you what God is saying, and I'm going to need a backup band because your hearts are so hard, and I need you people to get it. My words aren't going to be enough, so I'm going to ask 
that God would use music to soften your souls so that you can handle what's coming next. 2 Kings 3, verse 15, while the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came on Elisha and he said, this is what the Lord says, I will fill this valley, by the way, it's a desert valley, I will fill this valley with pools of water. For this is what the Lord says, you will see neither wind nor rain, yet this valley will be filled with water and your cattle and your other animals will drink. This is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. And I love what he says next. And he will also deliver Moab into your hands. Like, no big deal. No big deal. Can I ask you a question? Have you ever listened to a song and just found a tear running down the side of your face and you're not exactly sure why? Have you ever listened to a song and found yourself just stirred to the core of your being? I mean, could it be that that is God touching that innate hunger that he placed inside of you? I mean, what if we used our worship as an opportunity to open our hearts so wide that there wasn't a nook, a cranny, or a corner that the Holy Spirit of God wasn't invited into? What if it was an opportunity to just be free? Number three, Worship can pave the way to spiritual victory. I've enjoyed this. I, I love Old Testament stories. I mean, to me, they're just the most incredible part of Scripture. I'd like to share two stories with you that actually show you that worship can pave the way to actual spiritual victory in your life, no matter what it is that you're encountering. Story number one, the people of Israel have one thing standing between where they are and the promised land that God has promised to them. It's this stubborn little town called Jericho. Now, there's a problem with Jericho. Jericho has walls, okay? So Joshua, God's chosen leader, comes up with a plan to breach the walls of Jericho, and he's not going to use a bulldozer, a backhoe, or a bomb. Interesting way of looking at it, okay? So he gathers the people, lays out the plan, and here's the plan. Give me a trumpet combo. Seven of them. Line them up right here. It's kind of crazy, right? It's kind of crazy. Some amazing things begin to happen. The Bible says this. If you want to check out and find out if I'm telling you the truth or not. Joshua 6. It says, And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the, treats, with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpet, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up and everyone will go straight in. What an amazing military strategy, right? Play, shout, all good. Just walk in, take the city, it's no big deal. Some of you desperately need a victory between now and Monday morning. Here's my question. Have you played? Have you sung? Have you worshiped? I know in this size of a room, some of you have an old dusty guitar. It's been sitting in a closet for far, far, far too long. And you're terrified that if you pick it up, that your fingers aren't going to work the way you remember. Can I tell you something? Whenever my kids came to me and wanted to, hey, daddy, can I sing you a song? It didn't matter what came out of their mouth. I just loved it. I just loved it. 
God doesn't care how good it is or how musically proficient it is. He just wants you to worship. Why? So you can win. This is my challenge, okay? This week, when you feel that obstacle in front of you, for the love of God, play something. A rhythm. Play an instrument. A playlist on whatever it is that you listen to music on, a CD player, a radio, just play and see how your heart changes. I want you to notice something. Saul didn't play anything. He just received it. Elisha didn't play anything. He just introduced worship into the moment and it paved a way for victory. We can all do that. I want you to notice something here too. Joshua had the priests play to get the victory. And I want to remind you of something. You're not looking at the priest slash pastor of Christ the King Community Church. He's looking at the royal priesthood of God. Know your role and live it. Is that gentle enough for you? 9.30, you're kind of the church crowd. Know your role and live it. 2 Peter 2 says, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. You, you, every single one of you are a part of the royal priesthood of God. You are in charge of worship in the house of God. You've been invited into the holy of holies. I mean, it doesn't get any more holy than that. You're a part of God's inner circle. Let's not be convenient or casual about that. Let's make it our mission to worship God so that the rest of the nation takes note and follows our example. I'm giving you everything I got today, okay? Just so you know, story number two. Second Chronicles 20. King Jehoshaphat. Now there's a good name for you, right? King Jehoshaphat is about to get slaughtered by another king, King Moab. He calls a worship service. He says, we have the threat of war. We're going to get together and worship. Guy stands up in the middle of this gathering and prophesies. He says this, you will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position, stand firm. See the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. Okay, easy to say when your reality is there is a huge army encircled around you and yet this guy's just like, don't even worry about it. It's not your battle to fight. Just relax. Stand firm. Don't move. Here's Jehoshaphat's response. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Kohathites and the Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Have a worship service and people participate. Verse number 20 from the same chapter. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, listen to me, Judah and the people of Jerusalem. 
Let me paraphrase. Listen to me, people of Christ the King in Whatcom County. Have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets. You will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord, his love endures forever. And as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah and they were defeated. I said it last week, I'm gonna say it again. Worship's a weapon. It's a weapon. This week, when you're facing a battle that you don't think you can win, worship. When you're at the end of your rope and don't think you can go any further down the knot because your hands are slipping and your grip is weak, worship. When you don't think you can make it through this challenging season, whatever it is that's facing you, don't pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Come up with an amazing plan and try to show the world how great you are. Fall on your face before God and worship. When your life is perfect, humming along, and everything is just going awesome, all the bills are getting paid, the kids are doing good, business is just rolling, worship. I love this biblical truth. When it's time for war, get the band. Get the band. Can I tell you something? That's why you need to pray for our worship team. You have no idea some weekends what they go through to get here. You have no idea what happens to them because they're out on the front line. They're the ones that are going first, saying, you want to follow an example? I'll do the best that I can. And it's an interesting, difficult work because I'll tell you what, while they're leading us, they're also trying to be invisible. They don't want you to see them. They want you to have the maturity to look through them to see the Jesus that they're worshiping. You need to pray for them. Dedicate them to God. One more example and then we're done. Psalm 57, verse 7. David is being chased. He's being hunted. He's being threatened by the very king that he used to to play for. And he writes a song. Psalm 57, verse 7 says, My heart, O God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. He's saying, I'm immovable. I'm not going to move. I don't care how bad this battle gets. I'm not going to flinch. And then he says, I will sing and make zamar. Just this past week, I was in a hospital room with somebody who was dying. The response of the family, worship. I got invited into a delivery room and saw a brand new baby. What were mom and dad doing in the corner? Worshiping. You die in God because their little boy had been welcomed healthy into this world. I sat with a couple who are ready to sign divorce papers. I grabbed their hands, put them together and said, when was the last time you worshipped? And something happened. Is it all fixed? Nope. But it's less broke because they both humbled themselves, came to the throne room together and declared that the the worship of God was more important than their argument or their issues. We're all facing something. 
And today, God's standing here knocking on the door saying, I don't need another great plan from you. I don't need a list of 25 things that you promise you're going to change. We've all been here and done that before. This is the only thing I need from you. Worship me and I'll reach back. So we're actually going to practice what we preach. And I'm going to invite Randy if he'll come and join me right now. And Randy is going to electronically pluck the string. Okay? And I'm going to ask you to do something that I know is difficult for some of us because we just don't like quiet. We don't like silence. Often the reason we don't like that is because of all the conversations that are spinning inside of our head. We're just so distracted. So we're going to take a moment, and Randy is just going to zamar. And I'm going to ask you to risk obedience today. Instead of putting yourself up in an oppositional posture that says, you can't make me do anything. I'm not letting anything crack this crust. No, nope, not interested. Instead of that, what if you took a huge risk today and just held out your hands for two and a half minutes-ish and you just let God say something? Maybe your only prayer is, Papa, help me. Maybe it's, you're worthy. I worship you. I've got a moment. I'm taking it. So I'm just going to ask. I'm just going to be quiet before God. I'm going to ask you. I don't care the altitude. Would you extend your hands before God and just have a quiet moment with him today? Let him talk, lean in, press in. Say, Grant, what if nothing happens? That's called peace. So we're just going to have a moment. As Randy Zamars and we, Yada, let's worship him together.
Father God, we worship you. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we worship you. God, I thank you for every heart that at the sound of my voice thought, no, no, not yet, not yet. God, I thank you that the worship of Jesus is available 24-7. May we fully take advantage of an opportunity to worship every day. God, thank you for a quiet moment. Lord, we give it all to you. We reach to you in dependence. We reach to you in worship. You are worthy, and you're the only answer. So we pray these things. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all God's people said, amen. The word zamar means to, to pluck the string, but if you get into the nuances of the Hebrew language, it actually means to strike the string. It's like God saying, if you're going to play it, play it. But don't hold anything back. Kick it up a notch. Press in. So in a moment, Conan's going to start hitting the string. He's going to strike it with a little plastic thing called a pick. And with it is going to come an opportunity today some of you are facing some tough stuff tomorrow. You got a battle. Before you hit that battle, you better raise the hallelujah. Oh, by the way, next week, we're going to talk about halal. Hallelujah. That's where it's going to be. I hope you come and join me. But in the meantime, I'm going to give you an opportunity to stand up and worship God and say, I don't care what's coming. I'm all in when it comes to worshiping God. So you're going to take the front row with everybody who's tucked in behind you. You're one of the seven trumpet players. Today you're the harpist, whatever it is. Just gonna ask you to raise your voice. The Bible doesn't say anything about musical ability. It says make a noise. We can all make a noise. So that's what we're going to do here. And may God bless you as he inhabits the praises of his people this morning. God bless you guys. Thanks again for watching. We're so glad that you joined us today. Once again, we hope you'll get involved in biblical face-to-face -face community wherever you happen to be today. If you'd like more information about Christ the King Community Church, if you'd like to give online, or if you'd like to submit a prayer request, or even get connected in a small group, you can find out more about us at ctk.church.